everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. This is part two of a three-part interview with Brett Contreras. So if you're tuning into this, please make sure you go back and listen to part one first. And then when you're finished with this episode, make sure you keep on going and listen to part three. You always want to listen to the bodybuilders. Like they, the bodybuilders will tend to have phases where they're bulking and cutting and i don't like bulking and cutting a a lot for a lot of my women who never get down you know some of my women don't get down to like you know uh, they're never down under 20 percent body fat so they don't need to bulk and cut but if 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 you are really low in body fat you're not going to build as much muscle as possible you you, it interferes when when you're in a, a deficit and when you're at super low body fat levels you the signaling it interferes with the signaling you do not have the 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 signals like mTOR pathway and things like that you don't have as much signaling for building muscle for protein synthesis it's just so but when you're when you're in a surplus and when you're when when you're um you know you have some body fat and your hormones are optimized then you tend to build muscle easier the problem is people overdo that and then they you know you only need you know, usually around like 500 to 1,000 calories extra, not 3,000 extra calories a day. You don't have to put on, you know, you might gain 10% of your body weight. You don't need to put on 30% of your body weight during bulking phases and then have these drastic bulks, bulks and cuts. In fact, too much bulking and cutting is, is actually, you know, will, will, will hamper your progress. You don't have greater muscle gain. You have greater fat gain. And so you want to have just the right surplus and just the right, you know, deficits and you want to be, you know, strategic and patient. But yeah, I, I think, think the thing about the whole cardio argument tends to have a lot of emotion to it. And you can live along, like you study the people who live the longest in the world, the blue zones, you know, all these populations that live to be, you know, the highest percentage of people live to be over a hundred and the longest living people, and they're not the people who do the most cardio. If you want to be healthy, focus on having good relationships with people, a good social network, low stress, 
you know, walk a lot, eat, eat a lot of veggies and healthy foods, but also you can still splurge here and there. You're, but you keep everything in moderation, you know? You can have some red wine, you can have this, you can have that, you just, everything's in moderation and you're happy and you have a low stress life. That's the important stuff. Not, not, not being a neurotic person that has to go, oh my God, my life's over, I didn't get to the treadmill today. That, you're not healthy if that's the way you feel. And so a lot of people focus on the wrong things. So if you're trying to be healthy, do the things I just talked about. If you're trying to be shredded, well, that's, that's more complicated. You've got to be strong. You've got to be, you know, that, that, that involves, you know, I always say bodybuilding is a 24-hour endeavor. You've got to be sleeping well. Mm-hmm. You've got to be living well and have your stress down or as your stress optimized, you know, you have to be eating properly throughout, like around the clock and you have to lift weights strategically and train hard, you know, like four days a week or, or so. So, and, and then you also use cardio as a tool when, when needed to help you get down in body fat. One problem with cardio is that people rely on these monitors to say, oh, I just burned 500 calories. And no, you didn't. You probably burned 150, you know? This yep. just happens all the time where people overestimate how many calories they're burning. And I wish they understood, like, you just slaved away for an hour and, and burned 150 calories that's that's those three bites of junk food that you just had it's the same <laughs> amount of calories so you know is it worth it would you could, could you just omit those three bites of junk food and you'd actually see you know cuz cardio doesn't build muscle like strength training does it's not going to make like make you way more jacked now one way that cardio can help a lot and this this there's there's it's there's a big individual nature to this is that how it affects your appetite so some people do cardio, like some people, the listeners, some people will, will do, like they'll, they'll go do cardio and they're like, why am I not losing weight? I'm doing cardio. Well, it's because cardio stimulates their appetites and then they end up eating more. There's yeah. a lot of research that shows this, has, like a lot of people have that effect. And then there's other people who they go do cardio and it blunts their appetite. This is especially how high intensity interval training can work. Now, when I do high-intensity interval training, I, I, I get so hungry, I end up eating more, and it, like, throws me off. But other people, it makes them kind of nauseous or it just blunts their appetite. They end up eating way less. So they end up dropping a lot of fat, and they think it was from the hit, and it was really from the, what hit did to their appetite. So that's a, a, something to consider as well. Mm, you make some really good points. And I would ask, in closing on this, like, let's – put this parenthetically, the cardio thing aside, but when you work with women, um, do you typically recommend that they, you know, not weigh themselves regularly, that, that the weight on the scale is not necessarily, I'm just curious, the best, like the best people, way to measure success. I like people to weigh themselves, but I always say, look, there's like, like six tools that you use. Okay. You use your strength gains, you use how your clothes are fitting, how you look in the mirror. Are you getting compliments from other people? Are they noticing um, your measurements, you know, your circumferences, um, your body weight, your PRs, your in the gym, your um, what else? So, you know, the, the, your blood, blood work, things like right. that. Th- those are all different measures of success. And if you know how to properly categorize the scale because here's the deal a guy like me if i'd go three days without weighing myself i might sometimes i'll step on the scale and i weigh eight pounds more and i'm like what and then i'm like oh yeah i guess it makes sense 
And so it helps keep me in check when I'm like, ooh, I, I, I gained two pounds yesterday. I need to chill today. But that doesn't happen if you're sticking to your macros and you're super strict and, and then maybe you don't need to. But also if you have like a really bad relationship with a the scale, then just don't do it. You know, uh, yeah. I, with those people, I wish they could learn to have a healthier relationship with a scale. But some people it just ruins their day and just throws them in the worst mood. And the problem with just the scale is that you can be recomping. You know, I have a, a lot of women who they start prepping for a show. They drop their calories and they're, they're, they, you know, they get more serious with their training. And they're like, man, it's been four weeks and I haven't lost any weight. I'm like, but you look way different. And, you know, the problem is muscles store carbs, which pull water with it. You know, for every, every uh, uh, gram of glycogen, I think you, 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 three or four grams of water uh, molecules are attracted to it. Or uh, so you, you are pulled in. So you have more water, you, you, know, you know, more water weight because you're 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 becoming more fit and you're storing more water in the muscles. And it's not that you're gaining fat or not losing fat. You can see that the person's losing fat and their muscles are swelling. Their muscles are bigger. They're recomping. They're they're changing their mm-hmm. body composition. So, you know, I've had clients who train with me for a whole year. They stay the same weight. There may be a woman that. Comes to me weighing 135 pounds, and then the end of the year, she still weighs 135, and she'll show me the jeans she used to wear, and it's like there's like a five inch gap in the in the waist, you know, and then they have mm-hmm. way less all over their bodies and way more muscular shape in the good places that that make them look athletic, and they they're just so much happier and confident and fit. Yeah, I definitely had a time um, when I had done now don't roll your eyes, but this was when I started seeing a certain doctor and he put me on um, HCG. And so I did HCG. And then after that, I I went off of it for a month. So it was like, you know, he was, he was doing it because my hormones were jacked. I couldn't seem to lose weight. Uh, I was into, this was several years ago, but anyway, after that, then I was really trained. That's when I started training with the trainer and I was really getting good results. But what was interesting is, you know, my clothes were completely different fitting me differently like you know the jeans that used to be skin tight I could pull them out and and you know I had to wear a belt and because they fall down and yet the weight on the scale I'd only lost two pounds on the scale but the, the the difference in how I looked I mean I was walking around like on fire and again I'm not going to attribute most of that to the HCG it was really later this was months later but the weight on the scale was only two pounds and it was hard for me to get past that. And I had to like course correct my, my brain to go, look at how you look in the mirror, look at how your clothes fit, look at your measurements and my measurements, I'd lost all of these inches and it was fantastic. But for me, the weight on the scale has always been like, you know, the scale gives me the finger every time I step on it. So I've, I'm getting to, to not give it as much power, but, you know, I'm one of those women, I, I do struggle with it. But you, you made some great points. And um, I think that's a fantastic base for us to, like, move into some of the, let's talk about glutes. Let's talk about some of these myths. But I have to ask, because we just, you talked about the Stairmaster. This is one of my things that I see at the gym all the time. And I'm curious. Does Let me the, guess. The, you know what I'm going to say? Yes. <laughs> the women that are on the stair thing, kicking back and, and doing all of these different... Does that actually do anything for the glutes? I mean, think about it. The back leg is doing like a body weight kickback, okay? So, but if you're squeezing the glute, that's like an isometric contraction. It, it Sure, it can help. Um, I just think, okay, 
And I've even talked to my, my buddy, Brad Schoenfeld. He's my best friend. He, he's like, you know, the expert on muscle hypertrophy. I'm the expert on glutes. And but we both agree <clears> that <throat> I don't think cardio can do anything for building muscle that on top of a good strength and conditioning program. So if you're, if you have a good training program, cardio is not going to be additive. It's like, you know, if you stick to my routines, we're, we're not just doing heavyweight. We're doing heavyweight, medium weight, lightweight, compound isolation. Like we're hitting the glutes from every angle and you're going to be full of fully developing the muscles. There's nothing that your cardio regimen can do for your glutes because it's, so less powerful than your resistance training regimen mm-hmm. um and and you know i'm open to there's not any research on that with glutes i'm open to changing my mind but i have this feeling that you know god the, a lot of these women get i think i started it they get crazy about glutes and they're like you know they want to train they they, they want they do cardio to, to to that focuses on i want to do the stairmaster and do this kick or like i want to wear your glute loop while I do this stairmaster, <laughs> I need to do 30, 40, 50 sets a day, and I need to feel my glutes burn. I need to feel it. I need to feel the burn. I need to get a pump. I need to, uh, and it's like they became, become kind of obsessive with these sensations rather than, you know, you could have two people, one that's obsessed with feeling their glutes, and they all they do is like mind-muscle connection, lightweight, high reps, feeling the burn. The other barely ever feels their glutes, but they focus on good form and progressive overload and getting stronger at the big basics. And that person might build their glutes much better than the other person. You know, we don't know enough yet, but I suspect that people can go become too obsessive about it. You know, when I was coming up, I wasn't like, oh my God, I just did a set of chin-ups, but I didn't feel my biceps. Because <laughs> we talked about the scale. Men don't tend to be as crazy about the scale because we don't care, like we don't have a set body weight. Like women tend to have like a, you know, my, the best I ever looked was right out of high school. I was, you know, on the cheer, I was cheerleading, I was running track and I looked so good and I weighed 115. I want to get back down to 115. And it's like, no, you could actually look really good at 130, but you don't, you're, you have this number set in your mind, you know? That's very true. That's very true because I've, I've told the story of like, to me, the last time I remember and what's, I I still, so I'm five, five. And I remember that the last time I loved because it was honestly, it was the leanest I was, I was 138. And so in my brain, I feel like I should be aspiring to that. That's my ideal goal weight. But I will say that was well before I worked out with the my last trainer, who was the one that, you know, I was really lifting, I was up to lifting my body weight, um, doing, not lifting my body weight, deadlifting my body weight, and and really training harder than I'd ever trained before. And I loved how my body looked, but I was a lot heavier on the scale. I wasn't anywhere close to 138. And I've just always viewed myself, and I know it's wrong. So I'm, I'm sharing this with you because like in my head, I think, oh, I've got to get to 138. And, and until I get there, I'm not good. But I'm thinking if I keep training the way which is smart, which is focusing on strength and building muscle, I might not ever see 138 again. Am I right? I mean, uh, trust me. I work with all these bikini Olympians. I've I've trained like several of the women who won, you know, who won, who were the number one, who won the bikini Olympia, you know, uh, Natalia Mello, Courtney King. Uh, Ashley Kotwasser, who else? I'm sure there's more. <laughs> I've, I've worked with 
probably, you know, maybe like 10 or 20 bikini Olympians, like top 10 bikini Olympians. I've trained all the, all the influencers have visited me, all these people who have the best butts on the planet, the, the hottest, sexiest women in the world, and probably one-fourth of them are confident, and the other three-fourths think they mm-hmm. look like crap. And it's so sad because it's like, and I see this happen all the time where the, the girl does a, a, a show and looks the best she's ever looked and has never been more unhappy with her body. It's crazy. It's, it should be the other way around. But, uh, uh, but I got, kind of got off on a tangent. With men, we want to be strong. So we like strength. So we'll, you'll never see a man hit a bench press PR and be like, damn it. And like, dude, what's wrong? <laughs> you just... You just benched 365. That's a milestone, dude. Well, I didn't feel my pecs. I felt all <laughs> shoulders and triceps. That doesn't happen. We don't care so much. It's like, I just benched 365. I'm a freaking stud. And then you hear this all the time with women. They're like, well, you know, I said, but I didn't feel it in my glutes or something. Or I, I, I did this, but I didn't feel it in my glutes. But I, looking back, I never felt military press in my delts that much i never felt squats in my glutes that much i never felt deadlifts in my glutes that much but getting stronger at bench and military and chin-ups and squats and deadlifts did a hell of a lot for my physique and you you don't have to feel every single thing in in your glutes or in your in a certain muscle you can the first exercise i always say the first one or two exercises a day focus on progression good form with progression how it feels is irrelevant. And then, then the next couple exercises be more about, you know, quality. But then at the end, you can do like a little burnout and get your fix in and feel the glutes and get a pump. But don't, you know, don't make it your all and everything. These sensations, feeling wiped out, feeling sore the next day, getting a pump, feeling the burn, being exhausted. Those things are, you know, sweating. All those things are sensations that don't necessarily equate to muscle growth. I'm glad you brought that up because I I definitely have had, you know, I haven't necessarily, for me, it was never about, oh, I have to feel the burn when I'm doing it. But I used to judge the quality of my workout on, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. Like, and if I wasn't sore, I thought, oh, I didn't lift heavy enough. I'm not making any progress. So glad that you brought that up because, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, and it's funny because the there were two ladies I interviewed before you today and they were just talking about, you know, which is very common with women, um, all of us obsessing about the irrelevant details and we, the, the stressing and obsessing about stuff, whether it's the scale or whether it's like, Oh, I did all this training, but I didn't feel it. You know, we're just detracting from the hard work we're doing. We should give ourselves more credit back to what you said about lifestyle, chill out. Don't kill yourself. If you had a cupcake or whatever, like, use common sense and and be kinder to yourself and enjoy the process. I think that would go a long way for all of us to get into more of that mindset. Would you agree? Totally agree. All right. So I have some good specifics. We're going to start getting into the the booty stuff. Um, And I have to share a quote, you guys, from his book. And I'm sure that you probably have mentioned this several times, but when he was in the intro of his book, there's this quote where he's talking about when he was the skinny kid and that somebody, (laughs) somebody essentially said to him, you know, they were remarking on his lack of glutes. And they said, you have no butt. Your back goes all the way <laughs> into your legs. 
<laughs> and I just think that's one of the funniest quotes of all time. I think I might make a bumper sticker out of that one. Um, but now that now that you're the glute guy, let's talk about some of the things. So in the beginning of your book, and and again, I do want to just tell you, it's it's so great that you put so much detail into this book. I I remember as somebody who I'm the typical fitness consumer out there. That's why I ended up founding a company. A, you know, fitfluential based on my love for fitness and wanting to, you know, work with fitness bloggers and brands and do all that fun stuff. It's because I'm a fitness consumer. I'm the one that's the fan of, of all the cool people out there that write books and have programs. But for years, I would go to Borders and Barnes and Noble to buy the latest, greatest fitness book that came out by the latest, greatest fitness celebrity. And they, it was like the same thing. It was like, oh, you know, here's what you have to do. Work out with weights five days a week. Here's a split. And it was the same workout. It's like reading Oxygen magazine. Here's, you know, what this figure competitor eats. And it was the same thing. Oatmeal and egg whites for breakfast. Ten At 10 a.m., then you want to have your broccoli with your rice and or your sweet potato and your chicken. Lunch, same thing. Two o'clock, same thing. Five o'clock, same thing. And then do a lot of cardio. It was like, you just read the same thing over and over again. There was no detail. There was no recipes. There was no, you just had, you have so much in your books and you spend so much time teaching. I really just, again, want to commend you on doing that because it's very rare and it's, it's refreshing. So everybody, you have to go out and get this book. And of course, anything he's put out before, because it's exceptional. But one of the things that you said, I want to, I want to address what you just said. So it's like, Oh, here's what's confusing Mm. people. Because like, if you do that, you see great results. So what's the problem? Like, okay, if you eat six times a day and eat all clean foods and, and do your cardio, you're going to see good results. Like, obviously, you know? Mm-hmm. The problem is we, we have a yo-yo problem. Everyone in the world has a gym membership. Well, <laughs> half the people in the U.S. have a gym membership and few of them use it. You know, that's what the gyms prey on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, People lose the weight, they just re, re, rebound and gain it back. It's like, it's not hard to lose 20 pounds, it's hard to keep it off. So yep. for that reason, we need to start thinking about ways to make things more sustainable. So that lifestyle is really, really hard, you know, to just eat clean all the time. Eating sick. What if you like eating three times a day? That's fine. This stoke the fire is a myth. You don't need mm-hmm. to eat six or eight times a day to keep to stoke the metabolic fire there's no advantage over eating more than like three times a day so you can go to your preference if you like eating more often do that if you like eating less often do that if you like you know doing intermittent fasting do that but i would just say have a protein snack at some point you know to help boost your muscle protein synthesis a little bit but um mm-hmm. but also eating clean all the time i remember reading the bodybuilders and i remember like I thought about flexible dieting long before it was a thing, and I think probably a lot of people did. I'd be like, I like orange juice, but they don't. The bodybuilders, oh, it's like their carbs are always, always either oats or yams or brown rice or, yep. or yeah, sweet potato or yams, and then or brown rice or like whole wheat, whatever. It's never ever like, you know, what if you wanted a yogurt? Where does that fit in? Yeah, uh, you know, it's like. The, the bodybuilders eat these same foods. And I'm like, what, what if I wanted this? And so you can have those things. You could have, the, people be like, well, uh, sometimes I'll post my, uh, get a meal at Chipotle and people be like, why'd you go with white rice over brown rice? And <laughs> exactly. Like, 
small in the grand scheme of things. It does not matter that much. What matters so much more is your calories, then your macros, then all the other stuff. You know what I mean? So, and if, and, and people take their, they get so focused on the minutia. Oh, well, this has more phytonutrients and this has more of this vitamin and this is healthier. And it's like, yeah, tell me how that's going for you. Then why aren't you shredded? Like, amen. The reason why is because you are so focused on this stuff that you ignore the big picture, which is calories and sustainability, and you're eating too much. Like, there's so many people out there, they just go to like Trader Joe's or Sprouts or Whole Foods, and you see all these people buying all these clean foods, and a lot of them are highly overweight still. They don't have good physiques because they eat too much of all that stuff. And so, if you like a piece of pizza, here and there, have that piece of pizza. Just, just you know, don't eat so much of it. Have one or one or two pieces, and then that's your meal. And then make sure you have because that's a lot of your fat and a lot of your carbs. Well, the rest of the day, eat mostly protein and don't have as much carbs and fat, and it all balances out. But people don't realize that. God bless you for bringing that up. That's been definitely something that I. It's. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but the truth is, um, it really was just like the end of last year that I stumbled on it. And it's not like this was news to me. Caloric deficit, right? It's not. It, it, it's not like anything new. Just like intermittent fasting isn't anything new. People are just kind of discovering something. Going, oh my god! But. I had been thinking, just like a lot of those people in Trader Joe's, you know, I know what I'm eating. I'm eating healthy. I shop at Whole Foods. I buy, I have a meal delivery service. It's all paleo. I do this. I do intermittent fasting. And, you know, I had complained for years, like I'm stuck 20 pounds over my goal weight. I can't lose weight. It must be that I'm hypothyroid. It must be this. It must be this. And, you know, it was stumbling on this guy, Jordan Syatt, and I interviewed him for the show. And he just, you know, he's all about caloric deficit. And I'm like, well, but no, and I've obsessed, I've obsessed over macros for all these years. And the truth is the end of last year, and I was still having issues where I couldn't really work out. I still was dealing with chronic headaches and migraines. And I, when I, when I tell you I was sidelined on the couch for 70% of the week, most, of, most weeks, it really was true. I was not able to work out nearly like I normally could. So all I was changing was strictly focusing on just what you said how much food I was taking in and focusing on, for me, a caloric deficit is 1600 calories. And I focused on that. And literally, even without being able to work out within like four days, five days, my man was like, You're lo- you've lost weight. And it was, it was still with eating. Like I, I let myself buy my lean cuisine spinach pizza because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this out and I'm not going to obsess about having chicken five times a day. I'm not going to obsess about having, you know, how much did I get 150 grams of protein? I just ate 1600 calories. And when I hit it, I stopped and I lost weight. And it was the easiest I've ever had losing weight in five years. And so I love that you said we're losing we're losing track of the big picture by obsessing over all of these things and giving everything such overwhelming importance because it really is true. I mean, yes, we should, we should aim to get protein. We should aim to have good quality food, but eat real food and have some wine, have some, like you said, pizza, just don't eat the whole thing. The more that we can all get just common sense in fitness and wellness, uh, the better we, the better off we'd all be. I know that for sure. And, and the good thing is I think there are more people yourself included, that are starting to really share that message quite loudly. And I think it's starting to resonate with a lot more people, um, as opposed to all of this other bullshit that we've been obsessed. 
obsessed Jordan, about. Jordan Syatt talks about it a lot. Uh, James Smith talks about it a lot. It's funny, James James Smith and, and his buddy Deeran, they're always like, he, James Smith is a calorie deficit guy and then Deeran's the neat guy, but they both basically are kind of hit it at both ends. And a lot of the influencers out there are doing a good job. And it's funny because I started learning about this with, you know, I, I'm lucky to speak with, you know, my, some of my best friends are James Krieger, Alan Aragon, Brad Schoenfeld. And these guys have been saying this for a long time. And mm-hmm. it's good to see the rest of the industry catching on. And also some of the influencers with larger followings just hammering it over and over and over. And there's other Instagrammers that are just, they're relentless. And I love it because it used to be, and the people, it's still like this, but it's just a little bit better because it's so hard to make a dent. It used to be that everyone had a thyroid disorder and they all have metabolic damage and my things damaged. And it's like, no, you're, you don't know that you're eating way too much. Every, like every, okay. There's like nine studies. And I I wrote a blog post on this once. Like there's like nine studies. I think that I, that I've seen, there's probably more that all look at self-reported calorie intake and people lie so bad. They don't even (laughs) clarify. And these are the people that they're like, I swear, I eat so good. I, I eat 1,200 calories a day, and they're probably eating like 2,400. They're mm-hmm. not even close. They're eating double what they think they are. And they're yeah. just so oblivious. And they're not trying to like lie. They're just so oblivious as to what they intake. And they don't count condiments, and they don't count this. And they think, they think they're eating a tablespoon of peanut butter, and they're eating three, and like, things like that. And it's, 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 it sucks because they'll never see results because they just blame it on their perceived metabolic uh, insufficiencies when it's really that they're just taking in too much, you know? True. I, I know and when I, I think- started tracking back in the day, I because I was like, why is it harder for me to lose weight than it used to be? I might, I might have thyroid issues. <laughs> and I went and got a thyroid test and, and it was like, and I was like, I knew it. I knew it. My thyroid is rock bottom. And then the guy's like, the doctor's like, that's thyroid stimulating hormone and it's inversely <laughs> proportional to your thyroid. So it's because it's rock bottom is because your thyroid is through the roof. And I'm like, oh, and then I started tracking and I'm eating 6,300 calories a day. I eat 6,000 calories a day. That's insane. Like I should <laughs> eat 400 pounds, but as I'm, I'm, I'm at my gym right now doing this podcast and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and my leg is shaking like crazy. I'm the guy that fidgets all day long. Like, <laughs> I, and I'm, a, I'm kind of a spaz and, and so I'm lucky I burn off a lot of calories through fidgeting and things like that so uh, yeah I, 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 it happens to all of us and we're all guilty of it and, and, and that's why it's cool to track but just like we talked about the scale weighing and tracking and counting steps those things can all make people crazy too so it's got to fit the intervention needs to fit the individual which is why ultimately it's, it's good to have a good coach yeah And then I think, you know, to wrap up that part of the discussion, I always use myself as an example because I'm fine being like completely transparent and embarrassing myself because the truth is like, I remember saying to people, I I would, I would, I kept blaming my thyroid and it it was Jordan Syatt. He interviewed somebody who was uh, blaming her hypothyroidism for years. And when she finally started working with him and counting calories, she finally lost weight. And I listened to that interview and I was listening to this woman go, here's what I used to always think. Here's what I used to always say. Here's what I was eating or I thought I was eating. And I'm like, literally, she's a twin of me. And so I then for the first time, because up until then, I'd always been, I would say to people, 
You know, if somebody had a hidden camera in my house and they watched what I'd eat, they would still say, if Kelly Alexa can't lose weight, who can? Because she's eating, you know, Sabra hummus and organic this and, you know, grass fed beef and whatever. If I can't lose weight eating what I'm eating, like how in the fuck can anybody else lose weight? And I kept thinking like, I must be crazy. And then when I actually took pen to paper, because some, several people, Whitney Jones was the first one. She's like, keep a food diary. I'm like, Whitney, I know what I eat. I know what I eat. She's like, are you keeping a food diary? I'm like, I know what I eat. I totally know what I eat. And you are probably laughing, Brett, because you've probably had a lot of women say the same thing. And then I started writing down my calories. And it wasn't that I I was surprised at what I was eating. I just was surprised at how early I hit 1600 calories because I started counting the snacks like plantain chips or that extra scoop of hummus on my salad. And I counted everything and suddenly it'd be four o'clock and I hit 1600 calories. And so then my man would come home and he's like, do you want to have dinner? I'm like, um, and I realized the truth is if I wasn't writing down my calories, I would have on a day like that, sat down with him, gone to Zoe's kitchen, gotten a 500 calorie, healthy, perfect, wonderful meal, but I wouldn't have thought anything of it. And I was truly eating at maintenance calories for me for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I applied a deficit that I started. It was just, it was like, it was like a magic pill. So if for anybody that's listening, however you choose to do it, start tracking your food. It's the best gift you can give to yourself because I guarantee you 90% of you that are, t- that are writing into us and saying you're stuck at a plateau, you can't lose weight. I guarantee you, you're not tracking your food. And if you do, that could be such a game changer for your life. So well, let, me give you a little, let me give you a little example right here. So yeah, I'm a like a cereal king. Like I just, love, I love cereal. Who doesn't? Who doesn't, right? But here's the deal. I like mixing cereal. And I always think <laughs> of it like, have you ever read that book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Yes. Um, it, it, there's a part in there, and I can't even remember what it's about. It's probably something really deep, like make sure your life is full of the big rocks. And But anyway, it's like, it's like the instructor like, Puts, uh, fills up like a glass jar of stones. And then the person's like, he's like, is it full? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, nope, it's not full. Look. And then he puts in a bunch of pebbles. And then he's like, is it full? And then they're like, yes. And then he's like, nope. And then he pours in a bunch of sand. And he's like, okay, now is it full? And they're like, absolutely. And then he's like, nope, look, I can put water in still. That's exactly what I do with my bowl of cereal. So I put in, <laughs> I, like, I put in like rice checks Okay, the base. Then I'll put in like like raisin nut bran, and then I'll pour in like grape nuts, you know, and that uh-huh. settles to the bottom. And then I put in milk. And so anyway, it's like it's just a bowl of cereal. Well, I have bigger bowls, so I always thought, you know, it's a bowl of cereal. It's probably like four or five hundred calories. Well, I I when I start weighing and tracking, I that bowl of cereal is twelve hundred calories. Yep, twelve hundred calorie bowl of cereal. That's what some of my Females get in a day. So it's the like, cereal industry pisses me off because, and I, this was like one of my posts that I put up on Instagram recently. I'm like, who in their right mind decided that a third of a cup is of cereal is a serving right. size? Right. That's ridiculous because you're talking about pretty much any, look at the serving size people. They, some of them will even say like an eighth of a cup. And so if you put, you know, a normal, and most people, what do they eat cereal in? A bowl is a bowl. I mean, how many fourth of a cups or thirds of a cup measures can you put into a bowl? Probably like 10. 
So yeah, if I were to sit down and have the granola that I love, I can eat the whole package. I would be, you know, I'd be lying. And those are the, those are actually the types of things. Granola is the worst. It's like, it has so much fat in it too. Like at least some of the, you know, a lot of the cereals are mostly just like carbs, you know, but you go like, you know, certain cereals and, and you had to make me feel bad about my favorite cereal i love, it. I love granola granola is my favorite too <laughs> it's the one that's like it's the only there's not many cereals that are also loaded in fat you know Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This marks the end of part two of this two-part interview with brett contreras the glue guy we've got one more part for you this is a three-part interview so make sure you listen to part three